Hey friends, thanks so much for joining us. This is Unlock You with Dr. Shannon Crawford. I'm a clinical psychologist, leadership consultant, and a really big fan of you getting to fulfill your life purpose. I want you to get unstuck and unlock your potential relationally, emotionally, spiritually, and vocationally. Thanks for joining us and let's get started. Hey guys, I want to thank you so much for reaching out and letting us know your questions, your comments, your shout outs of things that we can explain further of things that are working and helping you. The whole reason we do this is for you. We want this to be a community that you truly get unlocked. So to honor those who've asked questions, um, I'm gonna share a little bit more about how to actually emote and cathartically release that trapped emotion. So most of the time we are walking around trying to avoid pain because like the nerve endings on the end of your hand, you want to pull away from pain. Similarly, the defense mechanisms on the inside are doing the exact same job that at any point in our life that we learned, oh, that doesn't feel safe. I don't like how that feels. I don't ever want to feel that much panic, out of control, overwhelmed, anger, sadness, shame, whatever that is, we have a visceral response and it's at the brainstem level, which means I'm not consciously mediating, meaning I'm not actually trying to turn off that emotion or avoid from it. I'm trying to just sit and focus on schoolwork, let's say, or a homework assignment, or you're trying to be on a date and hang out with somebody that's really important to you. But internally, there's all these signals that the soul is sending to your amygdala. Something's not okay. Something needs to be resolved. So all this trapped emotion is trying to communicate, I need to be released. But we don't realize that's what's happening because the defense mechanisms stop it way back here at the brainstem. So without realizing it, the automaticity of distancing from pain actually keeps pain locked inside. So if you've ever walked through something and you're like surprised at how well you're doing, uh, how many can relate? Um, I've gone through a lot of painful things in life and I'm shockingly okay initially. And then over time, we notice, man, I'm irritable, I'm cranky, I'm eating a lot, I'm watching a lot of TV, I'm self-soothing in all these weird ways. And just total self-disclosure yesterday, I'm working on the book, Restoring Self-Cohesion. It's a really important day. So of course, I'm task-oriented. How many of you can relate? You want to get that project done. You have an assignment. It's really important. And so that's where all the energy is going. But I just feel antsy. I feel distracted. I just want to watch YouTube. I'm eating sugar all day, which is normally not a big part of my diet. And I just don't want to focus. And I, even though I'm a clinical psychologist, I am whack-a-moling. I am trying to ignore and suppress and just focus. It's like all willpower, all hands on deck, just trying to get it done. How many of us have been in that situation where you're just like, what? is wrong with me? Am I ADHD? Do I need medication? Yesterday, I would meet all criteria for ADHD. What I had not taken into consideration is earlier that morning, there was a simple message that was sent. It was sent to many people, and it was a really important message. 
notifying that someone dear to our community has gone to heaven. And it wasn't someone I'm related to, but it's someone who's precious to our community, to the Bethel family. So Benny Johnson went to heaven yesterday or the day before. And so I got the message yesterday morning notifying that that was the, the graduation day of her life. And so I prayed for her family. I took a moment and honored that experience. And then I moved on with the rest of my day, having no idea there was an impact there. All I knew is I saw a message, pray for somebody, think about it. So I want you to think in your own life, how many times have you seen or done something, maybe even watched a movie or experienced something, and then we just move on. It's like, okay, that's over, compartmentalize and move to the next task of the day. I did that and all day I was just kind of irritable and unsettled, again, not making a connection. By the end of the day, one of my dearest friends said, hey, Shannon, how are you? Did that have an impact of seeing Benny Johnson and her graduation to heaven? Did that impact anything for you of your mom going to heaven? And at first, consciously, my denial was like, no, I'm, I'm really good. I'm fine. It doesn't bother me as a personal. I'm sad for the community at large and the Johnson family. And she said, oh, okay. Well, I just felt prompted to ask. And when she did, I felt this like this moment, this wrestling, hopefully, you know, some of you can identify where you're like, do I let this emotion that's trying to come up? Do I let it out or not? In that moment, I could feel that wrestling. I didn't want to go there. I don't want to be sad. I don't want to be upset. I want to be happy. I want to be task oriented. I want to get things done. And then I want to enjoy life and have fun. How many of us just want to enjoy life and have fun and get things done? We don't want to deal with emotions. It's so frustrating and it's time consuming and it doesn't feel like a good use of time. I am right there with you. <laughs> I so get it. Even as a psychologist who knows these things, I go through it as well. So I'm sharing my story in transparency. So you can kind of see some of your own experiences of times that maybe you have that decision moment. You can kind of feel a swell of emotion coming up. And in that moment, you have a decision. Sometimes it probably is better not to express it in that setting. And that is okay. And I give you permission not to feel like you have to fall apart all the time and chase your emotions. We're not to be ruled by our emotions, but we're also not to avoid them either. So as a dear friend across the couch, sitting, looking at me with empathy asked, well, I felt prompted to ask. And when she followed up with a second empathy question, I felt the surge of emotion. And before I know it, I start crying and saying things that I had not consciously thought all day. It shocked me as it was coming out of my own mouth. I'm angry, I'm upset, I'm hurt. It hurts to bring that back up. I miss my mom. I hate death. I hate that bad things happen to us. I wasn't even aware that all this unsettled emotion, trapped energy was kind of glitching my system all day, making me look very ADHD and feel very just like, I don't like what I'm doing. I just want to change my career and move to another place. You know, like I'm dramatic. Maybe you guys aren't that much, but it's like when we're in that state, I just want it to stop. 
And instead, that was a great opportunity for her to come over, sit next to me, put her arms around me, and I just sobbed like a baby. In that moment, it feels like eternity. Have you ever allowed yourself to cry? And it just feels like this deep abyss of pain and sorrow that's surfacing. We feel so panicked that it's going to start and never stop. But in reality, as she hugged me and she was an emotionally available, kind, empathic friend, I cried in her arms and sadness and anger and bitter and resent and all these things I had no idea were trapped, starting to leak on the inside through symptoms of distraction, avoidance, irritability, poor focus, poor memory, poor concentration, wanting to just crave self-medicating techniques. Once I cried into relationship, I felt my soul just calm. Now, let me clarify here because it's really subtle. We can alone cry, which is, let's say you have somebody sitting across from you and they're trying to offer empathy. But everything inside of you, it's like the walls are still up and you're like knees up to your chest metaphorically in self-pity, just crying into yourself in this like learned helplessness. Why bother? It doesn't make a difference. Crying's a waste of time. It's not going to change anything. And just like this bitter rumination, when we alone cry, and I use alone just meaning I'm not allowing someone to be there for me, even if they're trying. And as a therapist, I can feel it. I can recognize when a client just kind of falls apart crying and me sitting across from them is not having a medicinal healing therapeutic effect. So let's say there are people that maybe are trying to give you empathy. Maybe they're trying to be there for you, but your walls and defense mechanisms don't want it to come out. So it kind of oozes out of you. It's like the dam fills up and it's cascading out of you. But there's a core belief that nobody cares. Nobody gets it. Why bother? It's not going to make a difference anyway. In that state, what you're doing, it's like a negative feedback loop that creates self-pity that feeds depression. When I was a kid and I had major depressive disorder, undiagnosed, but now I can look back and diagnose myself, I had major depression and inside I was in such a state of self-pity and panic and belief that nobody cared, nobody got it, why bother? And so I would cry myself to sleep, I'd cut myself, I had so much depression and self-hatred and a belief that no one could ever get how deep and sorrowful and aching and shameful I feel. That even when I had parents who tried, even when a counselor tried, it didn't have an effect. That's because I had a core belief that created a wall Nobody cares, nobody gets it. And it was mistrust. My shame was so much louder than the empathy that was trying to come toward me. And for many of you, you probably don't know how to let others in. And when you cry, you probably feel terrible. It leads to a headache. You feel more depressed and yucky and you just wanna never ever let that happen again. I'm never letting those emotions out again. The problem is 
the way that you're crying, the mechanics, the core beliefs, the walls are actually locking it inside. And it's like, it's festering. The difference is rejecting that core belief that nobody cares, nobody gets it, no one understands, and that it doesn't make a difference if I release this emotion. Reject that core belief. Invite through a board meeting, restoring self-cohesion, invite that part of you and say, hey, I love you, but let's reject the core belief that just because it felt like this person of the past didn't care and they didn't listen, that everyone going forward doesn't care and doesn't listen. I reject that core belief, that projection that just because I've experienced X, Y, or Z, that that's always what's going to happen. And now I welcome the reality and truth that there are good people, not everyone, but there are a few, there are safe people in my life including therapists, pastors, best friends, a few family members, people that you can trust to lower that guard, lower all those defenses, and actually allow yourself to cry in a relationship. We are attachment beings. We either are feeling very alone which spikes the amygdala, all the panic, all the fire alarms go off inside or we feel attached, just like how you take deep breaths or you get hugs. It releases oxytocin. It turns off that vagus nerve to tell amygdala, fire alarm, turn off. I'm safe now because I'm back in a relationship. What's fascinating is so many of us are in relationships, but we're not letting people actually be there for, them, for us. I've had it where people try to go, hey, how are you doing with X situation? And I go, oh, I'm good. I'm fine. I don't want to go there. <laughs> I may not realize that's what I'm doing, but my defenses are staying very elevated and heightened. Now, again, you don't put your pearls before swine. You don't share the content of your heart to everyone. You know, guard your heart above all else. It's the wellspring of life. We don't share the intimate emotions of our heart with just anybody. But there are safe people in the world that you can let them be there for you. I had a friend that I had that decision moment last night. I let her in. I let her be a friend to me. Or I stiff arm. I stay strong, in control. And I just watch YouTube the rest of the night and watch all the things and eat more cookies and do more distracting, avoiding things, which would have really affected today. So what's really cool is after that crying, all the hugs, all her validation of saying, I get it, I'm sorry, it matters. You have the right to be sad, angry, upset, I hear you. Just those simple words, I literally felt medicine. It was like healing salve to my broken, pained heart. And for you, I want you to think of times that you've blocked letting somebody be there for you. Wouldn't it be so sweet to let that relationship, let it in, let the medicine and the empathy in. And if you're somebody who wants to be a good friend to somebody else, the last thing you want to do is jump to encouragement, <laughs> fix and solve Tell them it's not that big of a deal. It's okay. It'll be fine. Think of how it's going to turn together for good. 
or in any way minimize and say, well, other people have it worse. It's not that bad. All they need you to do is soften your voice, remove distractions, and say it matters. You matter. Your pain matters. I care about you. I love you. And I'm sorry you're hurting. And just provide presence. You would be surprised at how much our loved ones don't need a five-point fix-solve problem strategy. They actually just need you to be present. And as the tears start to abate, which they will, you have the same amount of emotion attached to the same event. It's not like there's an actual abyss of dark depression that you're going to fall into. There is a, a statistical amount of emotion trapped to each event. When you get that out, I started to feel my breath coming easier. I started to feel less panicked and irritable and distracted. I felt everything inside that GABA, oxytocin, just kind of soothing my soul. Now, I don't know that, right? Like, I just know that as a psychologist, that's what's happening. But now you'll know when you're in that moment, oh, GABA is turning off cortisol, my stress hormone, and now I'm feeling more focused. So the rest of the day, I was able to be focused and clear. And all my little ADHD symptoms of the day abated because now my soul was well. I wasn't trying to avoid and distract and you know, open a thousand browser windows of my brain to try to not be present with my own inner world. There are things you are exposed to daily that you may not realize are kind of stirring and bringing things up. And if you'll go slow and start to recognize, hey, I'm kind of being off today. I've got a lot of distraction, irritability. I'm kind of going back to my old comforters and false medication type behaviors that we all have, you know, your go-tos. If you recognize that, now you can start to be curious and say, huh, what in the last few days have I probably been exposed to that maybe in the moment I didn't realize it impacted me? And wouldn't it be sweet if in our relationships, we cultivated the safety for us to process, not all the time, sometimes it's fun and playful and delightful, but sometimes having those deeper spaces where we ask each other, hey, how did that impact you? No, really, how are you? And creating that space, and you could be that person that hugs and you could be the person who allows yourself to be hugged. Attachment crying is where you allow that love in. You allow empathy in. And sometimes we don't always have a human right in front of us to do that. And those are the times that we can say, hey, I'm going to visualize someone who's really safe that I can attach to. And that's where you can picture a grandparent, a parent, a friend, a mentor, um, your faith, and just picture that person hugging you and you're just placing your head in their chest and you're allowing that felt sense of safety and security. In a posture of rest, your soul now just down-regulates all those stress hormones. You're exchanging that burden 
And now the yoke is easy. The burden is light. You're not carrying that. You've released it out of your system by getting trapped emotion out. Again, I will clarify, labeling emotion, saying I'm sad, I'm mad, is not the same thing as cathartically trapped emotion released out of your body, actually yelling, screaming, crying, emoting. And once you do, your system is like, oh, like browser windows start to close out and now I can be clear and organized and focused again. It's magical, it's delightful. And by doing that yesterday, I was able to be a guest on several people's podcasts today and interview for my own podcast. Today was a really full day. So by allowing my friend to be there, I was my sharp, clear, best version of me versus kind of self-medicating, dragging myself, willpowering through the day. And I'll tell you, so many of us, me and you alike, we're doing that for days on end instead of going, hey, it doesn't have to be like this. I'm not broken. There's not something wrong with me. But there is a glitch, there's a misalignment, and there's something inside that's sending signals, I'm not okay, something needs to be addressed. And by slowing down and addressing it, now the soul can get closure, you can resolve and X out of that browser window, and then everything kind of comes back online. And now the prefrontal smart part of your brain can be organized. It can be focused, concentration restores. And now you can do long-term memory and long-term strategy. Your personality feels like you. You have more grace and bandwidth and capacity to be with people and with delays and obstacles with more of a resilience rather than everything getting under your skin. These are a couple of the tips that I hope help you in actually processing, metabolizing your emotion out of your system versus avoiding, labeling, and just crying into yourself, whether a person is or is not there, but learning how to honor your emotion. Remember to tell yourself it matters. No matter what you're feeling, no matter if someone else had it worse or not, that's not the point. If you're experiencing it, it matters. And you have permission to honor the anger, the sadness, the disappointment, the injustice, the pain and ache and longing in your heart. And now you can get that restored attachment and you can get closure. So alone crying it's like a negative feedback loop that it keeps the trapped emotion stored in that archaic room of pain. While attachment crying releases the burden of emotion and allows someone else to hold that for you. That can be done through your imagination where you visualize releasing it and crying it into, which I mean, visualize, but also cry, like for real, cry, cuss, scream, whatever you need to do, cry into a relationship whether someone is physically there or through imagination. And now your soul is not burdened holding that anymore. And that one practical thing can actually resolve so many of the everyday annoying symptoms and glitches in our mood, our thoughts, our behavior that we struggle with that we can resolve just by clearing out the trapped emotions in attachment. 
The cool thing is when you release that burden of trapped emotion, you now can receive compassion, care, and empathy. And now you can give that empathy to yourself and you can restore relationship inside of yourself with that part of you that you have previously disavowed, now being honored and recognized and brought into awareness. I hope this little tip helps you and I pray you have a fantastic week, my friends. And please keep sending questions, comments, shout outs, clarifications, and things that we can speak to. We really want this to be a community where you thrive and we invest in you. Bye guys.